I don't know about y'all, but I'm really glad God's a good God. I'm really glad he doesn't, you know, make, make us walk through coals of fire and jump through hoops and pass our babies through Molech the fire, all those kind of good things, you know? Amen? How's the plan been for you this week? What's John 17 been saying to you good folks this week? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, John 17 is an amazing chapter because John 17 lets you see personally what Jesus prayed for you. He said, I don't pray for those right now. I pray for those that are coming is what he's saying. That's you. You see Jesus' prayer for you. Wow. How's it getting better than that? Amen? You know, I just know that God is doing such amazing things and it, and it, and it, it boggles my mind. I have quit trying to figure it out, quit trying to understand it, quit trying to say, you know, Lord, why this, why that? But uh, again, I was talking to another person this week. Never would have thought, had any idea that they listened or whatever, and they, and they just said to me off, off the conversation, oh, by the way, I just want to say thank you. Those, those uh, uh, videos on Facebook are just encouraging me so much. I'm like, I, I was dumbfounded, just dumbfounded that people that are listening to them that do not attend this church, not around here, you know, that are out there, I just want to say, how did you ever find it? I mean, I just don't even, I don't know. I, I just, the Holy Ghost is doing something that's just so amazing to me that it blows my mind. And then they share it with their friends, and it just keeps going, and every week it gets bigger. And, and uh, you know, I just try not to let the pressure get on me that i got to do some kind of great video because it ain't going to happen. No, I'm saying I have to perform something great. It's, if not the Holy Ghost, it just ain't going to happen. I just cannot figure out how to, you know, anyway. So, like I said, I quit trying to figure it out. Amen. So, um, let's go back to Sunday morning's message, because I just, I didn't even get to preach it. Uh, I, I just, I never got off really the first verse, but Ecclesiastes 3.9. So, get your Bibles out. And let's look at it one more time. I, I just have some more I want to add to this and, and share with you. Ecclesiastes 3.9 says, What profit has a worker from that in which he labors? I've seen the God-given task in which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Everybody say, i got eternity in my heart. You know, we don't really understand things until we get a... A, a, a forever view. As long as you're ever living, thinking that our, our life is dependent upon how many years we exist upon this earth, then you, you're always going to be short-sighted. Everything's going to be made just to be to the, to the short side of things, okay? But he says he placed eternity in our hearts. In other words, we have the ability as human beings, as, as, as just humankind, in our flesh, but he put something special. He put eternity in our hearts. Do you realize that everything that God does for you, he always does it with eternity in mind? In other words, just think about this for a minute and, and, and try to grasp this. God doesn't just want to, if you pray a prayer, let's say you pray a prayer and you say, you know, God, I'm, I'm struggling financially and I, I need $100. God in his mind, when he wants to bless you, he doesn't want to just give you $100 because $100 has got a temporal value to it. 
right? It's only going to take care of that bill or that money you needed or that situation. God's never, God doesn't have that way of thinking. It's hard for us to understand this because we don't think this way. But God's way of thinking towards you is that he wants you to be blessed for eternity. He wants, you, he wants to be your provider forever. It's not a one-time thing. There's never a one-time thing with God. God, I need to be healed. He's not thinking about the, 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 the curing of the infection you have in your body at that moment. He's looking at it from his perspective, and his perspective is eternal. He wants you walking in total and complete health with him like you're in his presence forever. So we're praying short-sighted all the time because we're only thinking of the temporal, right? Second Corinthians 4 says, don't look at the things that are seen for the things that are seen are temporal, but look at the things that are not seen for the things that are not seen are eternal. So God's always looking at you. You've got to understand this. When you're, man, when you're, when you're talking to God and you're praying, you're worshiping. Here we go. Let's just take the service tonight. You're worshiping God. God's not looking at, oh, I'm so glad they worshiped me tonight. He's thinking, I'm glad they're going to worship me forever. Right? God's perspective is always eternal. He is the everlasting Father. He gives us eternal life. So everything that he approaches to us has an eternal view to it. God's never looking at anything temporal. That's why it says he knows the end from the beginning. Because he's always thinking in the mind of eternity. But we only think in the mind of temporal. Usually, okay, well, you, uh, unless you're thinking about dying. And then you start thinking about eternity. But is that even really right? Is our perspective of dying right? I mean, we're just like hoping that we're going to die, you know, uh, and close our eyes and then open up and we're in heaven. Am I right? We're still looking at an end, the end of this life. Because you can't think about the eternity because you don't know what it is. You don't know what it's like. We have stories. We have books. People going, going to heaven, bright lights, all these kind of things, right? But you're trying to get your, this little brain to think on the things of eternity. When, who was it? Was it Bethany or Kendra or Ivan, somebody in these last meetings that we had uh, between now and the first years, they said that when, when God spoke and said, let there be light, that, you know, light was, but he never said, stop the light. And that's why the, the oralsers, and when he said that, and I kept thinking to myself, oh my gosh, that's why the universe is still expanding. Because God never said, stop. I never thought about that. And when they said that, it just like, it opened up a, like, like a little little compartment in one little brain cell up here went, you know, turned on, and I was like, wow, that's why it's not, that makes so much sense. I mean, it just, he said that, who, do y'all remember who it was? Was it Ivan that said that? It was Bethany? Okay, so whatever, the Tate family, somebody in the Tate family of that descendants, when they said that, my heart left because I was like, that? That bears witness with him. That makes sense. Because God always thinks in an eternal thing. So he says, light be. He didn't ever say light stop. So light's just being, being, and being, and being, and being, and just keeps growing and keep expanding and keep getting more universes. 
I told you this one, that in the Milky Way galaxy, there's a billion stars, but then they know that there's over a hundred billion galaxies from what they can see. And God knows the name of all of them. And it keeps expanding and expanding and getting bigger and bigger. That's our God. And we're trying to say he can't do something. We're trying to say he can't fix a marriage. He can't fix finances. He can't heal my body. He can't do this. And the God that spoke and said, light be, it just is expanding and is growing and creating billions of stars, but we can't do it. Why? We can't believe him. Why? And I'll tell you why. Because of our own brains and what we limit God in doing. Because it goes back to the same message I've been preaching forever. We're listening to the devil yelling across the chasm from what we have been translated out of, and he keeps us in a sin consciousness to where we won't walk in victory. We won't walk in faith. We won't walk in what this God has created because we won't let him because we don't, we don't want to turn loose of the stink we've got because we think it's the only stink we'll ever get. Preaching really good. We don't want to turn loose of it. We don't want to turn loose of our own crazy because we're scared of what God may give us because then we won't know how to handle the crazy because we're crazy. We might lose control. Oh, heaven help us if we lost control to the everlasting God who ever loves, who eternally loves us, who eternally gives us mercy, who eternally gives us grace, who eternally wants the best for us. Who oh, wait, we might lose control because we're crazy because the devil has kept us over into that sin consciousness where we live in the sin consciousness and we don't want to be free because we're scared to turn loose. What's amazing is when it boils right down to it, we don't trust him. We don't trust him because he might embarrass us or might make us feel vulnerable or might do something. And so the truth of the matter is we don't trust him. We don't trust him to make it right. We don't trust him to work it out. We say we do, but in the depth and the recesses of our heart and the recesses of our faith, we really don't because we can't see it. We can't hold on to it. And we go through all these motions, but the truth of the matter is we don't want to turn loose. Now let me give you a couple more scriptures now that I've encouraged you so much. 2 Corinthians 4.17, I'm just going to read through these. For the light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Eternal weight of glory. He says a little bit that we're going through now. But see, when we're going through it, we don't think it's a little bit. We think it's a lot. All right? I remember Matthew chapter 6, he used to always pray that when I first came across it, you know, and it says, take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Bro, you know, I'll take care of you. And I would say, but I, I understand, understand what you're saying. I see it right here. You say take no thought for it, but I got thought about it, Lord. I mean, it's hard for me not to think of it when I'm broke and making $5 an hour and barely making it and trying to stay ahead, and how am I supposed to not take thought when you say don't take thought? But you know, I can stand here today and look back and tell you that everything that was a mighty hill, a mighty mountain in my life, wasn't near as big, and I walked through it and lived, and I'm standing on the other side of a lot of it, and God delivered me in it all, but I... And I really shouldn't have taken thought. I really shouldn't have worried about it. I, I didn't get any taller by it. Right? And looking back in hindsight, which is always easy to do, I can see God delivered me time and time and time again. And if he delivered me then, if he delivered me yesterday, he's going to deliver me tomorrow. And why am I thinking about it and taking thought? 
right? I want to read, quote it again, 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we do not look at the things which are seen. Now, that's a hard thing to do. To look, You're looking at the things. We're trained to look at the things that are seen. This world and everything around us trains us to look at what's seen. But he says, while we, look at not, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. So the key to walking in this is you have to start changing what you're looking at. Rather than looking at the things that are around you, you have to start looking at the things that you know through the word, the truths that are not seen, but you know their truths and they're there. None of us, well, I don't know, maybe somebody has, but you, 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 I want to say it this way. You haven't seen heaven, but I know it's there. Okay? I haven't seen Jesus physically, but I know he's there. I haven't seen the Father physically, but I know he's there. You say, well, how do you know he's there if you hadn't seen it? I don't know. Just here. It's inside of me. I know it. I know what the Word says. I know it's truth. I've seen him too many truthful things. I know what it's going to be. I don't know that the pearly gate's going to be exactly like what I think the pearly gate might be. Because as a, as a, a person that's been in construction, when I, when I, uh, if you read the Scripture, it says that it's, a, it's one pearl. The pearly gate's not like a gate with a bunch of pearls on it. It's one pearl. Go look it up. It says it's a pearl. So I've, I, you know what I think about a pearl? Let's say it's a round pearl. How do you hinge it? Is it cut in half? Is it two halves? Or is it one whole round pearl? And if it's one round pearl, how are you going to hinge it? So I haven't seen it, but I imagine in my mind, I kind of think I have an idea of how it's hinged. Because it's a gate and it's got to open. You've got to go through it. When I get to heaven, you know what? I bet I'm wrong. But in my mind, I think about things like that. How is the pearly gate hinged? It's only a pearl, so how's it hinged? And how am I going to go through it? And I'll get there, and I'm probably going to look at it and say, <laughs> I missed that one. Well, that wasn't even close. But I can only imagine, right? But it's there, and I know it's there, and I can't wait to see it. Because I want to see, how did he hinge it? All right? Well, we can't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are seen are temporal. They're always going to fade away. It's going to go away. Everything you see, everything you see on this earth is going to get smoked. So we have to look at the things that are not seen. The word, the truth. All right? But those things that are not seen, it says, are eternal. Okay? It's this ever, you've got to get this internal mindset. It's this ever, never, ever stopping eternal God and eternal things that never quit, never change. The Bible says God is a God who changeth not, right? Okay, what? He never stops his love for you. He never stops his grace for you. He never stops his mercy for you. And he never stops. It's eternal. It's always keeping going. It's just like the universe. It's expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding all the time. But are we going to grab hold of it? As long as you're looking at the things of the earth, you won't. Okay? Okay, so it says in Ephesians 3.8, to me, and I am less than on the least of all the saints, the grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which is from the beginning of the ages, which has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now 
the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, to the principalities, look at this, to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. God's purpose for you is eternal. It's not temporal. It's not short-sighted. It's just not you're going to get married, have babies, you're going to raise your kids, you're going to do the best you can, you're going to be the best person you can, you're going to die, and that's the end of your purpose. My purpose is eternal. What I'm walking through right now, being the pastor of a church and doing all the things that I've done, it's only a part of the eternal purpose. One day, this has been years ago, I was driving down the road and I was praying, and I said, Lord, how far am I in the book of my life? And he said, you just turned the first page. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's as far down the road as I've gotten. So then I started thinking about how you read a book. You know, you open it up, all the first pages, there's nothing on it but just junk. Why even read it? Table of contents, the preface, the, the, all the things to it. Well, who cares about that? Get to the first chapter. And so I ain't even got to the first chapter. Are y'all with me? Right? So my point is, the purpose he has in you right now, it's not to the, your life on this earth. Think of that. He has an eternal purpose for you. So, I don't know, live to 90. How far, how much is 90 years tacked on to forever? It's like I, I always say, you know, if you don't like me, you're going to have a hard time because I'm going to be in heaven forever. We're going to be around each other forever. I don't know if we can get lost in the crowd or something you had to put up with me, but I'm around forever. You're not going to get rid of me. I have an eternal purpose. So think of that. Just, just stop for a minute and just think of that. We make everything based on how long we live on this earth. And we're going along and we're trudging. We're thinking, oh, I've got to hurry. I've got to do this because I've got to get to the age and the place of retirement so then I can retire and I can do this and we can do this and I can spend my golden years on the pond out there looking at whatever. No, you've got to start thinking about it right now. You have an eternal purpose. So I can't even go into all this because I can't tell you because I don't know. I just know I have to look at the Word and trust and say, wow, I have an eternal purpose. Hmm. So I'm not just going to live out my life here on this earth and do everything I can for Jesus and then step on the other side and then just be one of the crowd? You ever think about how many people are in heaven? You ever think about how crowded heaven, and I'm not talking crowded like a bunch of people sucking them, but you ever think about how many people, there's an innumerable multitude of angels just, just, just to deal with that. So many you can't count them? That's what it means, innumerable multitude, you can't count them. There's so many angels you can't count them. Not all the saints that have gone before us all the thousands of years before us and all that kind of stuff like that I'm talking about. Just think about it, how many people that are in heaven. And everybody has an eternal purpose. You're living short-sighted when all you're thinking about is trying to accomplish everything you possibly can and leave this earth, you know, and then it's going to say R.I.P. on your headstone. Because I don't know, you got to grab hold of this, I'm living forever. So when you start putting it in this perspective, things start changing. So then the person that you're offended with, 
What is that in light of eternity? What is this that we're talking about in light of eternity? What is this anything in light of eternity? It's, it's not worth, it's really truly not worth one ounce of worry. This is what God wants us swallowed up in. He wants us swallowed up in his awesomeness that he has got you taken care of for eternity with your eternal purpose, all wrapped up in eternal life. Think of this. Don't think of eternal life as, don't think of eternal life as just not dying. Think of life, life, joy, happiness, peace, everything you can imagine, eternal life. That's a lively party, we'd say. And you're going to have eternal, lively, eternal life with an eternal purpose. See, we don't, understand, we don't know how God's going to work everything out. We always try to put an end to it. Jesus is going to come back, going to go through the millennial reign, throw the devil in the pit, going to burn up this earth, going to have the new Jerusalem. What's going to happen then? See, we try to put an end. Our minds try to put an end. What are we going to do, sit in our mansions forever on the rocking chairs? And what are we going to do? We don't know exactly. But I just know we're going to be doing something because I have an eternal purpose. Think of that word, purpose. That means I'm of value to him. You are of value to him, and he has an eternal purpose for you. What's it going to be? Praying, playing for eternity in the heavenly choir. I don't know. I just know that I can trust my God that if he can do everything that he's always done for me here on this earth, that in heaven is going to be really, really cool. So let me show you the devil's tactic, and then I'll quit. Go to Mark 4.13. Parable of the sower. You know it. We know it all too well. Matter of fact, let me, let me just... Start in verse 3. I said 13. Let me start in 3. He says, Listen, and behold, the sower went out to sow, and it happened that as he sowed some seed fell by the wayside, the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on the stony grounds where it did not have much earth, and immediately sprang up, and, and because it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was out and scorched it because it had no root, it withered away. Some seeds fell on the thorns, thorns grew up, choked it, yielded no crop. Other seed fell on good ground, yielded a crop that sprang up increasingly, producing some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And uh, when he was alone, they said, hey, come tell us about what this parable means. And he said, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside all things are coming in parables. And then he jumped down to 13. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones that, by the way, said the word is sown. They hear him, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their heart. So just get this picture for a minute. I'm preaching this to you tonight about your eternal purpose. And immediately the devil is saying, right now in the kingdom of darkness, he's saying, I've got to take that word from them. Okay? If you ever have said, what was that the Lord said to me? Uh, what was that? Uh, what did he say to me? Just realize you just got stolen from. Now, 
You can gripe about it all you want to. You can complain. You can get mad at the devil. You can just say this isn't fair, whatever, but that's just the way it is. Everybody says it's the way it is. He's going to come immediately steal the word that's sown in your heart. Tomorrow, he's not going to want you to realize and think anything on or ponder or meditate on that you have an eternal purpose. Okay? It's just what happens on planet Earth. Okay. Likewise, the ones who are sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Okay. So the problem with this person is they have no root in themselves. In other words, they're not founded and rooted in the Word of God. They're not founded and rooted in the Word of God. They're not founded and rooted in who they are in Christ. So the devil comes up and he says, I just get, all i got to do is put a little persecution on them, put a little bit of hurt on them, and they're going to give up. Okay, tactic one. He's already trying to steal the Word. Look at what he's doing. He's stealing it by bringing a little bit of persecution, putting a little tribulation, and keeping you not knowing in who you are in Christ. This is his tactic, all right? If you know how somebody cheats, if, or if, you know, if you're playing poker and you know what somebody's tell is, then you know what they have in their hand. I'm telling you what the devil's hand is, all right? Then he goes on, and he says, Now these are the ones sown on the stony ground. They are the ones who hear the word. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. So he says the second way he's going to do this is he's going to come upon us and keep us focused on the things of this earth. He's going to dangle the shinies. He's going to put the bling-bling out in front of us. He's going to keep us out there worried. The cares of this world. Lord, have mercy. Is that enough? Huh? How many of you got a care in this world? I'd like to say I didn't have a care in the world. But the truth of the matter is, I, like the Apostle Paul, say the cares of the church come upon me daily. But the truth is, the devil wants to steal the word from our life, keep us focused on it, keep us out of an eternal perspective by getting the cares of the world upon us so that we're, we're bogged down with that in front of us. I watch this show, American Pickers, every now and then because I'm always thinking, y'all ever watch American Pickers? You know what I'm talking about? What interests me in it is because they're going and buying what other people perceive as junk, but these guys know an item when it's really worth something, right? And so I'm looking, and they pull something out of a barn, and I don't know if it's staged or fake or whatever, but I just the dream of walking into a barn and finding something. A lot of the things they find that have value to them, I would have never paid you a dollar for, right? Because I don't know anything about it. Bicycles. The guy's always buying bicycles. I wouldn't know a bicycle from... You know, if it was one of them big wheel bicycles, I might think it was something because they're odd, but I'm just saying, he'll go, this is a bicycle, you know, and all good. And I'm like, only had one bicycle as a kid. When you live out on a ranch and there's rocks all over the road, there's not any pavement around, you don't do much bicycle, right? So, anyway, where was it going with this CW? I've lost my train of thought now talking about bicycles. Um, Cares of the world, okay. So I, I watch this thing because it, 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 it gets me, but what I see in it is I see in it as people trying to hold on to stuff and hoarding stuff and trying to put value on stuff and holding on to the things of the world. And then they go to them, and it's, it's deteriorating, it's rusting, it's falling apart, it's, it's not going to be worth anything, the barn's leaking, this is going on, but then the person has the hardest time 
selling it because they're building everything on this world, the cares of this world. It, it's the devil's number one tactic to get us caught up and miss our eternal purpose. Yes, we have to pay the bills. Yes, we have to live in a house. We need a roof over our head. And yes, all these things like this. I'm not saying we go, you know, live out in the woods. That's going to be rough. You're going to thank cares of the world. You go try that for a while. But my point is, this is his number one tactic to get us burdened down with, with everything around us, get us burdened down with, you know, the, the short-sightedness of everything. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, he's saying riches are deceitful. Hello? Now, I want my $900 million. I'm going to get it. And he said, well, you're crazy. Now, we'll see. If it corrupts him, I'll give it all away. I'm not worried about it. All right? The point is, though, it's the cares of it. See what I'm saying? This is what the devil wants to do. He wants to keep us twisted with the cares of it. Why? So he can steal the word from you. That's the number one purpose is to get the word out of your heart. You've got to guard the word with all, all diligence. You've got to hang on to it with all diligence. You can't let it go. Hello? And then he says, and it's the lust for other things. In other words, the devil getting us thinking that we're going to come to the end to where we're not going to have it anymore, so we better get it now. Because he wants to steal the word that's on our heart because he does not want us to have an eternal vision and an eternal purpose. Now, last thing. Not a scripture. I told you it was the last scripture. Think about for just a second what things on this earth are eternal. I once heard a preacher say it this way. He said the only thing you're going to ever take to heaven is a relationship. The only thing that's eternal that I know of is all the things you said, you know, however you want to cut it. Relationships are eternal. And I pray that doesn't mean somebody be mad at me forever. But relationships are eternal. Family. Family is eternal. You ever notice he says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Family. And I think there's one other thing that's eternal that we're not thinking about. Is your purpose. Because when you go to it and you see when Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. Who came with him? Who, did, who else was there? Moses and Elijah, right? Moses and Elijah were there. Well, those aren't the time, same time frame. All right? I mean, they were, I don't know how many years right off the top of my head, but there was a good many years between the ministry of Moses and the ministry of Elijah. All right? And they came with Jesus, who was another time frame. So their ministries are what brought them together. Or let me just put it this way, their purpose. So the purpose God's working in us right now, we really need to grab hold of it. Find out who we are in Christ and what Christ is doing in us and what kind of a purpose do we have, not on this earth, but what is our purpose for eternity? Because it's carrying over. That's the only thing I can see that's eternal. Relationships, family, and ministry, your purpose. 
that's going to be there forever. So then why are we worried about everything else? Our prayer should be, oh God, who have you created me to be? But most of the time our prayer is, oh God, I'm drowning, help me. Turn around and say, God, who do you create me to be? Who am I? What are we going to be doing forever, Lord? And Jesus' story, you know, he came back and he said he gave the guy, you know, the guy that was faithful the 10 minutes, he gave him 10 cities and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, something's going on. Something's happening. Amen? So I just encourage you tonight, change your prayer. Start asking God, what's your eternal purpose? Because I think he's already started it in you. You're just going to keep doing it. Because if it was an eternal purpose, that means when you were born into this earth, your purpose started. Am I preaching craziness? Amen. Praise God. Well, Bill, help me. Let's take up our offering. Well, this Sunday's the first Sunday, Communion Sunday. Praise the Lord for that. Easter's coming. Better get your baskets. <laughs> yeah. Put your hand in your offering. Father, I just declare tonight we're the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. I declare we're the most blessed that there ever was. And Lord, I declare that you've created Living Waters Church and you've gathered these people together for an eternal purpose. And I know that part of that eternal purpose is that we to bless everybody we possibly can on this earth while we're here. And so, Lord, I just thank you for it. I thank you for the hands that, that are, are giving tonight. I thank you for the, all these hands in here that are, are blessed and prospering. And that everywhere we turn to the north, south, east, and the west, Lord, you prosper us in all of our ways. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.